All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the late morning program with Namras. This is uh, episode 33 with uh, Her Grace Shamarani Devidasi, and also known as Jadurani uh, Devidasi. I thank you so much, uh, Mataji, for joining me here uh, for this podcast. I'm so deeply honored. You are, uh, I just want to say one thing is that it was one of my bucket list items to meet you uh, in Vrindavan that time when I met you last year. It was like a life's, uh, you know, bucket list item that I that I meet you. So I'm so glad I got to meet you, and um, I'm so honored that you agreed to come on the show. And um, yeah, so I'd like to start out with uh, just talking a little bit about the, your background. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know um, where you grew up, uh, what led you to your spiritual life, and ultimately to meeting. Um, Srila Prabhupada in, in, in like the early, uh, I mean, the mid 60s, you could say, uh, in the earliest part of the Krishna consciousness movement. Thank you. And first, I want to say I feel very privileged to be here. I saw some of your podcasts, they're super excellent. Thank you so much. And uh, thank, thank you. you so much for having me. <laughs> I'm so honored. <laughs> so, in the 60s, I was one of the typical flower childs, I guess you could call it, anti Vietnam right. War. Um, peace and love and uh, promiscuity and anti-parent and anti-government, looking for an alternative. And then one day I was walking through Tompkins Square Park and just on my way to a friend's house and I saw Srila Prabhupada and about 10 of his first followers. He was sitting on a little Indian rug playing, this is before the Murdunga time, so he only had this little dim-dim drum that you probably saw in the movie. And then the uh, Prabhupada stood up during the program and said, uh, thank you all for participating in this Krishna consciousness movement. And then said, so go home and there's no loss. No one will tax you. No one will check you. There's no loss and the gain is terrific. Then they packed up and uh, I was thinking because being a product of the 60s revolutionaries, I was also imagining that an alternative consciousness was marijuana and LSD. So I was on LSD that day. <laughs> and uh, when Prabhupada and his associates left, I just stood there and I was thinking this person looks like he flew in on a magic carpet and then just waiting for, because we were all Mayavadis at the time, waiting for the, you know, um, inconceivable it to bring me to the next part of my spiritual journey. Then a man walked up to me and said, would you like to go to the temple? I didn't know what a temple was, but I said, sure, with confidence that this was uh, led by higher forces. He took me to the temple. I met Prabhupada. And before I met him, I was downstairs in the temple room and two brahmacharis were saying to each other, Swamiji has just said that when devotees have arguments, uh, they see it like um, clouds passing by. Like when clouds mm. pass by, you don't even notice it. Right. So arguments needn't be noticed. Mm. So then somebody asked me if I 
would like to come up and meet the Swami. So I went up and I just noticed that he was reciprocating with everyone as everyone wanted to reciprocate with him, just as Krishna does. Then he said to me, do you live near here? And thinking that I was God, especially on that day, I said, oh, I live very near because I thought I lived everywhere. <laughs> so he said, good, then you can come to the, to the morning program. So because Prabhupada is such a sankalpa, meaning that when he says something is going to happen, it happens. Mm. So I did begin coming. He was uh, teaching um, Prahlad Maharaj in the evening, Bhagavad Gita in the evening, Prahlad Maharaj and, uh, in the morning. And then a month later, he switched to the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And every day he would leave us with a little cliffhanger. Tomorrow we will see what happened when. And then um, he would always serve um, glubjamins for breakfast that went along with our oatmeal. About a month later, wow. um, I came upstairs after a program, a program in which I was invited to come on stage with Prabhupada and all of his other followers. And then uh, I went upstairs to bring some of the pots. And then uh, Chudananda said to me, you know, you're not supposed to be here unless you're initiated. So I was so flustered, I didn't know what to do. I just turned and saw Prabhupada in his room and I said, uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you about, being initiated. <laughs> so he asked me if I could follow the four rules. I said, sure, even though I didn't know if I could. He said, okay, you can be initiated, like gave a very soon day with one other devotee. And I was so, so new that I didn't even know his pranam mantra when I was initiated. Wow. And I had, he had to say Nama, and I would say Nama, and he would say Om, Om. Wow. And um, yeah, he started me at a very low level. And, uh, but he knew, he knows the future, and he knew that everything would be okay. Amazing. On my initiation day, he gave me a copy of the first three volumes of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the only ones that he had, except he also had his Easy Journey to Other Planets hmm. little booklet. And so I was still so unsure that this was the right path for me that I said to him, well, if I change my mind, can I give the books back? <laughs> and he said, yes. Why argue with me when he knew what was going to be happening in the future? Right. And then soon after that, he asked the devotee, what was my talent? And I said art, even though I was a terrible artist. And so he told Prabhupada and Prabhupada engaged me in um, making a copy of Lord Chaitanya's Sankirtan party hmm. in um, Navadweep at the courtyard of Srivas Thakur. And when I was in the middle of painting that, he came into the temple room and he could have said anything because it was so bad, such a bad copy. But instead he said, Krishna has sent. And then he actually invited me to paint in his quarters. And I said, but the fumes are so heavy and toxic. He said, it doesn't matter. So then I began to paint in his quarters um, in the room where devotees were cooking 
uh, the Sunday feast, preparing the Sunday feast, and uh, where Prabhupada would do his bells, you know, playing the two bells to offer his offer the boga and say various mantras, put on his tilak, where he'd pass around the achman cup and everyone would put on their tilak in front of him. And where in the next room, he would dictate his teachings of Lord Chaitanya, take rest, greet guests. And that was the beginning. Wow, amazing, amazing. So did you have any previous art like education or experience when, when, you, when he, you started to paint for Srila Prabhupada? I always liked art and I always dabbled in it since I was a young child. But uh, just before I met Prabhupada, I was going to, um, I went to music and art high school. But when I was in college, my second year of college, which was when I first met Prabhupada, the um, art department had a showing. Mm -hmm. So my artwork, of course, was up there. And I brought a friend of mine and he said, which is yours? And I was trying to be funny. So I said, which is the worst one here? And he picked <laughs> mine. So I was not a good artist at all. Uh, but still, because I liked it, Prabhupada engaged me in that mm. service. Amazing. It's amazing to see, because I, re I remember that, because, uh, uh, you know, 26 Second Avenue, I think still has like a replica of that uh first painting that you did and then now to what your art is it's like such an evolution uh i mean I, we'll totally get into that uh but i'd like to ask you um more about about the process of like creating your art so is there a certain like because i know this last painting that you did it, it took 11 years is that right 11 years to paint that it took 11 years but not consistently okay sometimes i stop for years Sometimes right. I stopped for months and sometimes I just painted and painted and couldn't figure out how it was supposed to look. So I kept changing it. So between those three things, it took 11 years and I just finished last month. Amazing. Amazing. So like, what is the process of, of creating that art? Is there a certain type of uh, difference? What's done differently, like in your life when you're creating art? Well, of course, Sadhan Bhakti is a major technique. Chanting prescribed rounds, reading, hearing, uh, trying to remember, uh, trying to remember certain prayers while chanting, associating with devotees, that regular program that gives us strength in anything. Right. And um, so we follow a certain process regarding technically speaking a process that was gradually developed uh in the 70s like at the beginning we would first we were just copying paintings and then when Prabhupada's books began which was in 1969 he started writing us that now i want to do the krishna book and he, he gave the first list of five paintings, oh, wow. like um, Krishna playing on the lap of Devaki, um, Krishna 
in the, or Vishnu in the womb of Devaki and the demigods um, offering prayers. In this way, he gave the first uh, suggestions of what to paint. He did the same thing for Bhagavad Gita. And then, both for the Krishna book and the Gita and the Bhagavatam, then he instructed us to pick out the pictures from the manuscripts. Wow. So um, we would gradually build up a repertoire of references, palaces, uh, Indian, um, Indian types of trees, parrots, cows, and gradually begin uh, taking here and putting it here. Wow. First, we'd have our sketch so that it didn't look like an artificial collage. And then fitting in with our sketch, we would find references that sort of matched. Also, we would make sure we have first the sketch of devotees posing, not just take a picture and then have it artificially put in the painting. You know mm. what I mean? So yeah, that it yeah. all flows. Amazing. All the parts of the painting flow. And so what we gradually developed, particularly in the 70s, this became a standard at the BBT. Um, first, we would meet together. We all, having read the manuscript of a particular painting, and then we would all do an idea sketch. That mm. is, take one minute, literally one minute, to quickly put the whole idea on. Wow. And it wouldn't look great, but it would get the um, movement, the feel, the emotion. And then uh, together everyone would decide which of the idea's sketches were uh, the best for development. And then we'd each take some time, whoever was chosen for a particular painting, take some time to do a um, thumbnail sketch, which was uh, overlaid over the idea sketch, but with more time and thought. And then we would have, we would meet together and critique each other's work. And then we would do the development sketch overlaid, which was the uh, detailed sketch, the color sketch, and then finally going on the canvas. So that even before going on the canvas, we knew what we were doing rather than starting with a nose in the middle of the canvas. And then after two weeks, you have to change everything. Does that make sense? So there's an yeah, actual totally. process. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. Um, wow. So, um, so how long would it take in that, in those days to finish? Like, uh, like I, I saw in this book, let, let me just talk about your book for a second. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Mataji has written a book, the art of spiritual life. This is a memoir. And so in this book, she describes, uh, and there's also different pictures of all the different paintings and, and the evolution of it. And just, it's just an amazing book. So how long would it take uh, when you do, when you have like so many artists working on a certain piece of art, how long would it take to finish a certain piece? I mean, you would that, have, you probably have a deadline, right? Prabhupada was like the most deadline person I've ever met. <laughs> For the Krishna book, he established a, an assembly line for both the uh, press workers, that is who was working on the words and for the artists. So for the artists, it was 
there were three of us to begin with. Later on, it became more artists. So Bardraj would uh, lay out the composition and do the first layer on the canvas. Then I would develop it further. And then Merle Dar would put in the details, like flowers, fingernails, uh, jewelry. Wow. So we would each have only two days. And so it, although it would take six days for a painting to come out, two, two, and two, yeah. every two days a new painting came out. Wasn't that ingenious? It's amazing. <laughs> and then later on when we didn't have that, that kind of deadline and when we were all doing our own paintings, uh, it took sometimes a couple of weeks, sometimes a month, depending on how much Prabhupada was pressing us. For example, for the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Hmm. As you might know, he pressed all the press devotees to do 17 volumes in two months. Right. So it was a day, night, and some artists would start a painting, other artists would finish it. And uh, we wanted to do better and take longer. But Prabhupada said, when you're dressing for the ball, if you keep dressing, dressing, and dressing, you might miss the ball. So, <laughs> wow. so, do, so do whatever you can in the allotted time and later on you can come back and make improvements amazing wow that's that's amazing so so like how did the um like from when you painted at that time to what you're painting how you're painting now what would you say is like the difference well now i use exactly the same process that i that we developed back in the 70s the same system of idea sketch to so on and so forth. And uh, although uh, in the time of my Shikshiguru Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj, there wasn't an art department per se where everyone lived together right. and worked together. Uh, each artist could, could have been in different countries and working on different books. But whoever was around me, I would ask them to give uh, criticism and advice mm -hmm. and there would also be deadlines he also has books which he said were complementary and supplementary to Srila Prabhupada's books and uh, like puts a spotlight on them so that we could see Prabhupada's books more clearly and so we had deadlines for that so that could have taken a month or a couple of months but this uh Kunj Kirtan painting, which took 11 years, I didn't have a deadline because he gave me the uh, instruction to do it shortly before he left the vision of the world. Mm. And so I didn't feel the pressure of whatever it looks like by next week. That's the way it goes. And that's also why it dragged on so long. Wow. Wow. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um so like, for example, like now we have different devotee artists, now younger people taking on art. So what do you, um, is there something that you do to train others in, in art? Or what do you feel is the importance of training the next generation of devotee artists? To tell you the truth, Prabhu, uh, the generation that came after us in the BBT, America, hmm. the next generation was Russia. Oh. And to me, they're like so much superior to my work. So 
the only I'm, training I'm, that's your humility as, as no, well <laughs> the, the training that we gave them was in 1993 oh i was invited by the gbc of russia to come there and train the artists for painting for russian translations and so i taught them the system that we developed at the bbt um you know, for how the devotees sit together and then this stage, that stage, oh, okay. that stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they were already super excellent. So mm -hmm. they just needed a process. And then the other thing they needed was references, Indian references, because gen the general tendency is to paint according to my country's culture. So that right. Russian Krishna and Russian Radha and Russian palaces. Mm. So um, we gave them a kickstart on um, all kinds of Indian references, um, Indian prints, you know, like you get in Loy Bazaar mm -hmm. for clothing, for uh, features, facial features, anatomy. Mm -hmm. And then they just took it from there and they were super excellent. And then I, I came a couple of times after that and gave comments. Uh, but uh, basically, it was their own uh, acumen and sincerity. So uh, as far as the value of training uh, artists, there's so many artists out there, and I'm sure they're getting mm. trained by so many people. But of course, uh, Prabhupada would write us so many letters about the importance of art. For example, he said that Krishna's philosophy must be illustrated but it must be according to the parampara revelation of the absolute truth. And when we were off on that, he would say to me particularly, you've ruined my books. You made Krishna and the gopis look like a hippie plaything. Wow. And I would make their hair too long. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, can you give an example of, of sure when that can. happened? Um, well, in the Nectar of Devotion, it's stated that Krishna's hair looked like he was being embraced by the goddess of fortune. So you'd imagine that it was very long. And then when Krishna and the gopis were dancing in the rasa dance, their clothing and hair became loosened. And that's what I did. But uh, Prabhupada didn't like that. He liked Devahutis, if you've seen that in the original Krishna book. She just did a copy of an Indian print, but he said, this I like because it's very... Um, sophisticated and grave. It's not like a hippie plaything. Um, another example is when we had the assembly line, the first devotee who was on the assembly line, I don't know why, but he would paint this big Afro long hair. Mm -hmm. And so naturally me as the second person and then the third person would follow suit. And because he was the best of us technically, I thought, well, I'll just follow him. And then Prabhupada was so angry when he was looking at the pictures. Ramaswara Prabhu, who was the at that time the BBT trustee, he was showing Prabhupada the changes that we wanted to make. And with these changes came the long hair. Prabhupada was shaking the, the press signatures and said, this is ruining my book. They are hippies. Who's responsible for this? And he picked out certain pictures that was like that. And he said, don't keep it in the book. He also didn't like when, um, when we substituted 
even less high standard paintings for more high standard paintings if they didn't fit the pastime. Like uh, we proposed changing Vasudev carrying Krishna across the Jamuna with another painting that didn't tell the pastime, that mm. was more general. So Prabhupada said, this is, these are our ISKCON, ISKCON trademarks, ISKCON mm. mottos. So how can you change it? So Ramaswara said, well, here, in this case, um, Anantashesh wasn't there behind him, as it says in the Krishna book. Right. So Prabhupada said, so put him in. So Ramaswara said, well, at this stage, we can't. He said, so leave it. But later on, so many years later, uh, Ramdas Prabhu, he made a very beautiful one that was um, just very exquisite and with Ananta. So, of course, then it was okay to replace. And when Prabhupada saw me in 1976 in Mayapur, he said to me, are you still painting? The first thing he said, are you still painting Krishna with big bunches of hair? And I said, no, Prabhupada. He said, that is advancement. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, I noticed that that the style of painting is um, like a more realistic or Renaissance style. Is that the style that Srila Prabhupada personally liked it to be? Well, when you say Renaissance, um, let me tell you a story. He gave me a picture in 1968 of Narada Muni that he took, he ripped out of a old Indian Hindi uh, Srimad Bhagavatam and he asked me to copy that so I did and he said that was first class but then when I wanted to do a second one for the Boston Temple um, I thought well you know I just saw a um, an exhibition in New York they were showing the Mona Lisa and people were lined up for blocks so I thought, well, I want to do it in that style because then people will be lined up for blocks to see Krishna paintings. So, so I put, <clears throat> I went to the library and got some references of uh, Jesus Christ, how he was so muscular and with that Jesus Christ style dhoti and uh, put him in a redwood forest. And when Prabhupada saw that, um, he said, this looks like this is the meat eater's conception of beauty mm. muscles and gaunt cheeks before the first painting you did was the milk drinker's conception of beauty oh, so wow. he rejected he rejected when it got to renaissance oh i see he was pleased that it looked realistic but not to get out of the um of that indian loy bazaar print kind of innocence and mm. Indianness and traditionalness. Right, because the Renaissance style is like a lot of, uh, the, the muscles are very, you know, you know it, it's, it's, it's very much detailed in that way. And Yeah, and okay. also just Western type of clothing and Western type of backgrounds. Right, so right. They didn't want us to imitate them. So what would you say to artists now, devotee artists who who want to develop their art for Krishna as a service, what advice would you give them? Well, I would, I would suggest to associate with uh, bhakti artists who are experienced 
and um, perhaps already book publishers, book painters, and to copy, depending on where they're starting from, to copy um, Krishna art that's, uh, that's bona fide and that's excellently done, first copying, and then to break out and do their own compositions. And to also especially copy faces and anatomy. And again, it depends on who the artist is and how much they already know. Right. Right. And then there are certain paintings that Prabhupada didn't like, but many he did like. So if they want to ask us, any of the BBT artists or any Bhakti artists, Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj's artists, um, like which ones do you recommend that I, I like all these particular ones, which ones do you recommend that I do and don't do to copy? Mm. I don't know if that helps. It really so, so you're saying basically to take guidance when it comes to, uh, you know, putting out your final piece, like you, you, you develop it with, uh, with some guidance. As in anything. Right. As an, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, let's talk, let's change gears a little bit and okay. talk about, um, let's talk a little bit about ISKCON because you know, you've been ISKCON for so many years. Uh, 54. And then, yeah. Amazing. Uh, you're the, you're the most senior, uh, lady disciple of Srila Prabhupada who was alive at the moment. Uh, what was ISKCON like after Srila Prabhupada's departure? Let's start there. Uh, let's start there. Um, can you be more specific? Yes. So as, um, because I want to eventually go into your introduction with Srila Narayan Maharaj. So I wanted to, I want to kind of set the environment of how, what was it, what was the feeling like, uh, being such a close disciple of Srila Prabhupada and knowing him for so many years to then finally have that sun sort of set and another maybe another sun or another, you know, sun to arise. Just tell us a little bit about that. Well, at first, because I have a very envious nature and I heard that Prabhupada had appointed these 11 gurus, I was upset that why didn't I get appointed? <laughs> uh, natural wow. for an envious conditioned soul. Gradually then I tried to follow the, all the edicts and policies uh, and hierarchies and the zonal acharyaship. But eventually I found myself not able to live in that context. Hmm. And so I, uh, and also the other artists by that time, they had gone to Italy to train a whole new generation of artists in Italy for Prabhupada's books. So, um, at first I was, you know, working as one of the, leaders of the ladies Sankirtan and Brahmacharinis. But then I found myself unable to, um, unable to relate with the new, the new systems and policies. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to keep painting for Srila Prabhupada, although I didn't know in what context. So I um, left and went to art school for one year. And then, um, I rejoined in the St. Louis temple. And at that time there were being reprints for Prabhupada's um, Nectar of Devotion and also the translations of Hridayananda Maharaj. So, I, so whatever I learned in the art school, which was made me able to 
do a whole painting again without the assistance of all the other artists. So then I began painting for that, but still I was unsatisfied. I felt there was a little bit of a wall between me and Prabhupada and I wanted that completely knocked down. Like I wanted to have a much deeper relationship with you. Mm. And I'm not in I'm not in alignment with the hierarchy that I'm experienced to get to you. So um going from temple to temple, then finally in 1990, 91, I was just literally crying to Prabhupada that please connect me with you in a much deeper way. And then uh, the last instruction that Prabhupada had ever given me was to make picture books of all of his books. He said, just like the uh, Gorakhpur Gita Press, they have uh, Bhagavad Gita in pictures, Bhagavatam in pictures. So I want all my books in pictures. So in 1992, I went to India uh, in order to um, take photos for picture book project. And there, my um, god sister Aditya asked me, would you like to meet a Mahapurush? So I said, well, okay. Uh, and so she brought me to see Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj. And I saw that this was in um, his Rupsanatan Gaudiya temple in, uh, where is it, Sevakunj area. Mm. So then I saw that there were already so many uh, ISKCON devotees there. I thought, well, gee, maybe I'm just missing out on something. <laughs> so I started to hear him. And uh, what I noticed was, since I was had been crying for a whole year, Prabhupada, please connect with me with you so much so that all the walls are broken down so that I have a much deeper relationship with you. So he started explaining Prabhupada's glories in such a way that I'd never heard before and explanations from Prabhupada's books and lectures that fully satisfied my desire to go deep deeper into Prabhupada's words uh, I, and also Prabhupada's personality. Because I once said to him, uh, to Shilinarayan Maharaj, you know, when I hear the word Prabhupada, it's like, you know, and we used to get chastised for not saying Srila Prabhupada. First it was, you know, Swamiji and then <laughs> Prabhupada, and if you don't say Srila, forget it, you get yelled at. <laughs> and so I was saying to Srila Narayan Maharaj that I feel like, oh, he's so high, I'm so low. I feel like there's a wall there between me and Prabhupada. Uh, basically, I think because of all my offenses over the years, you know, you get slack. So first he said, um, no, don't fear. Think of him as your Pran Priya Saki. Now that was a new one to me because I had always heard and preached. In fact, I mostly preached more than I heard that Prabhupada is a coward boy. Whereas Srila Gurudev, Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj was... Um, giving so much evidence uh, from all the scriptures, from the teachings of Rupa Goswami, from the Chaitanya Charitamrita, from who Prabhupada took sannyas from and what was his sannyas mantra, and who were the acharyas whose commentaries he was using in his books. Um, he gave so much evidence that Prabhupada is 
a gopi, but a particular kind of gopi that is the maidservant of Srimati Radhika. And um, so he said, think of him as your Pran Priyasaki. And he taught us verses from various scriptures like Archanapadati to Sri Guru in that form. Mm. And then I said, well, how can I think of the word Prabhupada itself in a more uh, intimate way? So he said, Prabhu is Krishna, but Prabhu has two halves. Uh, there's the Krishna half, and then there's the greater half, who is Sri Radha. So Pada means at the lotus feet. So uh, he who is at the lotus feet of Krishna and Radha, but with a leaning towards Krishna, so, sorry, with a leaning towards Radha. And then he showed, and then whenever I looked back in Prabhupada's books, it became so obvious that that's what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give, this service to Srimati Radhika, which is what Srila Rupa Goswami and all of his followers came to give. So he said, Prabhupada means Prabhu is Krishna and Radha, but Prabhupada is with a leaning more towards Radha and who has a very beautiful dress of a gopi with beautiful braids that are decorated with flowers and ornaments. So he helped me so much on a philosophical, on the philosophical way with Srila Prabhupada in understanding his words. Uh, just like Prabhupada, let's say, let's take uh, Upadeshamrit. Srila Rupa Goswami wrote uh, how many verses? 12 verses in Upadeshamrit? Like that. And then Prabhupada's Upadeshamrit is like 100 pages. Hmm. So he didn't change any of the meanings of Rupa Goswami, but he opened it up. Let's take Srimad Bhagavatam, Sukadeva Goswami. The door is practically just slightly slightly opened as to the message of the Bhagavatam. First, without Sukadeva Goswami, we have it shut, nothing. Mm. And Vyasdeva, of course. Then he opened it up just to drop. And then you have Viswanath Chakrabarti Thakur, Jiva Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, expanding so much on the, the deep meanings behind Sukadeva Goswami's words. And then you have the more contemporary Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur and other more contemporary acharyas explaining their words. So similarly, just as Prabhupada expanded on Rupa Goswami's Upadeshamrita, so Srila Gurudev in his explanations of Prabhupada in, in, in his books, he would open up new vistas. And then when you go back there, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't seen them. Mm. He said like, um, like Prabhupada's books are like a treasure chest. And that's for the whole world. The whole world benefited and is benefiting and will benefit by Prabhupada's books. But then within that treasure chest, there's another treasure chest that's locked. And it uh, has more valuable jewels than the bigger tre treasure chest. Hmm. So that treasure chest, the key to that treasure chest is in the hands of the Mahabhagwat on the same level as he who gave the treasure chest. So in that way, Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj gave us many deeper understandings of Srila Prabhupada's words, personality, books, and 
therefore my love for Prabhupada increased, increased, and therefore my love for Srila Narayan Maharaj also increased for being the giver of that. Mm. And I asked him once um, in Los Angeles, I said, you know, Guru is one, we hear in the scriptures, but I had two gurus in this life. Prabhupada is my Diksha Guru and you're my Shiksha Guru. So how is that? He said, Krishna is one, but he became millions in the Rasa dance, <laughs> but he's one person. <laughs> so Diksha Guru and bona fide Shiksha Guru, bona fide Diksha Guru are both manifestations of Krishna. One is manifestation of Krishna's form and one is manifestation of Krishna's personality, but we know there's no difference between Krishna's inside and outside. Mm, right. So so he just opened up my connection further, right. further. That's, that's so wonderful. You know, some devotees might have issue to that uh, in the sense of that they, some, some may say that Srila Prabhupada only came to teach, teach the basics and uh, maybe there was something lacking in his teachings. So what would you say to, to someone who said that? I would say that they haven't, I'd ask them if they've read Prabhupada's Chaitanya Charitamrita if they read Prabhupada's Krishna book, and if they read Prabhupada's Nectar of Devotion, because, and if they read Prabhupada's Upadesh Amrit, mm. the last verses of which talk all about Radhakund and how that's the goal of life, and how any person who has any intelligence would uh, want to be there as the ultimate goal of life. Um, now, in 1976, there was a strange group that was formed called the Gopi Bhav Club. And they all wanted to be gopis. And uh, they invented a process that they got from the Radhakund Babaji's. And they were meeting in secret. These were ISKCON devotees. ISKCON devotees. Uh, and so when Prabhupada found out about that, he completely put it to a stop. He said, you're getting from the Sahajiya Radhakund Babaji's. You're not following any process. They said all everything came from the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So unless Prabhupada's books had the highest information, mm -hmm. how are they going to be start their Gopi Baba Club? I mean, mm -hmm. this is to answer your question about right. he only gave the basics. Right. So Prabhupada said, yes, that is our goal, to become Gopi. Mm -hmm. But how to become qualified, you're just making up your own system. First deserve, then desire. Because it, it is the desire that all of our acharyas came to teach us to desire for that. If we see their books, their prayers, it's full of, please make me your maidservant. And so um, in Naratam Das Thakur, Raghunath Das Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Lochan Das Thakur, everybody. Um, so Prabhupada cut the whole thing apart one, because they had not only no guidance, but the wrong guidance. They were not doing a balance of the different parts of Prabhupada's books. And thirdly, they were trying to be the wrong kind of gopi, because the conditioned soul can never become a gopi like Lalita and Vishaka, who have a direct relationship, because what's the sadhana? You just get lusty. But right. rather, uh, in the line of Rupa Goswami, as Rupa Nuga, Prabhupada said, we are all Rupa Nuga. We want to become the maidservant of Srimati Radhika. So, uh, and what to speak of nectar of devotion. Oh my God, Anchalila chapter 14, Adi Leela chapter 4, Rai Ramanan Samba, they're so high. Mm. And he talked about Raghunuga Bhakti everywhere. 
sometimes because he used English words, because, you know, he's coming to uh, an orgy-based society of animals, trying to bring them to back, back to home, back to Godhead. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times he gave the English words, and he'd talk about spontaneous devotion uh, or um, uh, devotion that doesn't depend on the rules and regulations, the forced rules and regulations. Um, and sometimes he would, we can see in the Bengali or in the Sanskrit, he's talking about Raganuga Bhakti. Mm. Uh, so I forgot why I said that. Um, yeah, so he's talking about it. Right, right. It's just that we need somebody to help us unlock the, the thing. Yeah. Because it yes. had to be locked at first because of the level that we were on. Mm, I see. Okay. Did you face any backlash from devotees because of associating with Srila Narayan Maharaj? Well, I sure did, Namaras Prabhu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, um, first, let's see. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go in order, but since 19, even before I started coming to hear from him, uh, you know, the, the, my godbrothers who were already hearing from him, they were already getting backlash and people were making up stories that they were wearing saris and things <laughs> when they went to see him. And, um, and then in 19, so the, so the, uh, ISKCON management were talking about it year by year. So we let this go. What's going on here? Is this Sahajia? So finally, in 1995, they had a um, resolution that anyone who's hearing from, seeing, hearing the tapes of, reading the books of uh, Srila Narayan Maharaj will get kicked out of ISKCON. So they have to make a choice of ISKCON or him. So, uh, I, at first I told him that I, I don't want to leave him. I want to stay with him. So he was testing me and he said, oh, if you stay with me, I won't be able to help you with your bhajan or your prashadam or your residence. But it was just a test. Uh, he said, go back to ISKCON and, um, but don't be attached to, to money, position or management. So um, right away, I was called in by the um, by the local GBC in Vrindavan, and because I expressed that I wanted to cooperate, they shipped me off to Kurukshetra to live with an Indian family so that I wouldn't be contaminated by getting being too close to Shilinarayan Maharaj's temples and having too much of an uh, ease to go there. And then they shipped me off to America, to Columbus, Ohio, so that I would really be far away. Oh, my God. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, then I had to, uh, I was there and I would like keep his books under the cover and kind of read them privately and kind of hear his tapes privately. But then I would hear so much blasphemy of, blasphemy of him in the temple, I was working the whole year besides preaching and giving classes and distributing books. I was working on my memoir that you just held up, right, uh, right. my experiences with Srila Prabhupada. But then in 1996, it was a year after the original ban of him and anyone who 
wanted to see him, they would also get excommunicated. At that time, they also banned him from coming to any of his temples, their temples, although he had been welcomed for many years. And it was interesting because whenever he went to the temple in Vrindavan, like there'd be thousands of devotees. He could barely walk. They'd just be so surrounding him. So um, then they started preaching that he's different from Prabhupada. He says opposite things to Prabhupada. He belittles Prabhupada and mm. uh, so on and so forth. And so um, then uh, I didn't have any money, but uh, a friend of mine was going to England. So she took me with her. And at the same time, Shulanarayan Maharaj was beginning his um, world tour. So he was in Holland. And then uh, another friend of mine got me a ticket to Spain. And then I was just going crazy because the uh, ISKCON management were coming to visit me and telling me how, um, just saying so many blasphemous things. And so because I had accepted them as my authorities for so many years, I was kind of bewildered. Am I doing the right thing or not? So when I was in Spain, my head was like completely exposed, uh, completely uh, exploding. Shulanarayan Maharaj or Iskan. Shulanarayan Maharaj or Iskan. And then the explosion was getting more and more explosive until Finally, I thought I was going to die. There was this major explosion. And then I felt supreme peace. And then the words came to me, Shulan Orion Maharaj is in ISKCON. So then uh, I realized what I had actually been learning from him and from Srila Prabhupada all these years. Like, what is ISKCON? Because um, people say, Prabhupada said, don't leave ISKCON. And you left him and you left ISKCON and you went to another right. institution. So, like, what is ISKCON? So, and I have so many quotes from Srila Prabhupada explaining what is ISKCON. Who's the first ISKCON guru? Can you say? Um. Brahma. <laughs> Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma, okay. And who's the second ISKCON guru? Narada. Mm. And then who's the third? Is Vyasdev. Right. Madhva. Madhva, and then, right. And then in that song that we sing... Um, the Guru Prampara song, Krishna, right. Chaturmukha. Yeah. Um, they're all our disciplic succession of Iskan gurus. Then in um, then in the time of Rupa Goswami, Rupa Goswami created the um, Vishwa. What is that? Vishwa Vaishnava Raj Sabha which is ISKCON in Sanskrit. Oh. <laughs> and then he gave the first presidency to Jiva Goswami. And then it continued down our line. And then um, it came to Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who named it Gaudiya Mutt. And then when there was problems in the Gaudiya Mutt, after Srila Prabhupada's departure, Srila uh, Prabhupada's sannyas guru, and who's also his godbrother, Srila Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Maharaj, he uh, established the Gaudiya Vedanta Samiti, and there were three signers of that, the paper for the Gaudiya Vedanta Samiti, and our Prabhupada was one of the three founding mm. signers, wow. founding members. 
and then um, and then Prabhupada came to America in 1965. He was the signer in 1941. Then he took sannyas from Shilabhakti Pragyan Keshava Goswami Maharaj in 1959. Uh, Shilabhakti Pragyan Maharaj is the Diksha Guru of Shilanarayan Maharaj. And so they've had, our Prabhupada had association with him since 1946 um, as very intimate friends. And he accepted Prabhupada uh, just like he accepted his Diksha Guru. He accepted Prabhupada as his Shiksha Guru. Um, so then Prabhupada came to America and gave the English translation, International Society for Krishna Consciousness. And Godivedanta Samiti is also the Hindi for International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Wow. And so, uh, so then uh, Shilanarayan Maharaj is also ISKCON. See how they're related. Mm. Prabhupada came to America because he was able to take sannyas from his sannyas guru, who's the Diksha guru of Shilanarayan Maharaj. Right. So he's also ISKCON Shila. Bhakti Balabtirtha Maharaj is also Iskan. Srila Bhakti Pramod Purti Goswami Maharaj is Iskan. Iskan is much greater than sometimes we think it is. Right. <laughs> I like that. Anybody who's following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instructions and Srila Rupa Goswami's instructions um, is factually Iskan. Mm. In fact, um, in the Nectar of Devotion, uh, in Prabhupada's original manuscript, this was told to me by his one of his original editors, uh, Matiladish Prabhu, my godbrother, that in the original version, um, Prabhupada wrote, anyone who doesn't follow the principles of ISKCON or any other spiritual society like that is living in a phantasmagoria or hallucination, something like that. And so they, whoever was the, final editor made that into anyone who doesn't who's not in ISKCON mm. so um, Prabhupada had so many different teachings for so many different disciples according to their according to our qualification so one he might have said don't go outside the walls of ISKCON another one he wrote to his god brother Shilabhakti Doit Madhav Goswami Maharaj, yes, if my disciple so-and-so wants to take second initiation from you, I give that all blessings. Mm. And Prabhupada used to visit his god brother's mutts very often. And in the olden days, somebody from one institution would go and get a sack of potatoes from another one. And it wasn't so sectarian as things are now. Right. I read in your book uh, that it was like um, someone was giving an explanation, like if you have a football, if you're playing a football game. Could you could you explain that? Um, it, yes, let me... Uh, it, it, it's like if, if you're in a football game and uh, there's two teams playing, they play right. and they're against each other in the game, but then after the game, it's... They're really friends. Right, they're friends. They, yeah. yeah. Could you please elaborate on that? I, I just love say, that point so much. Yeah, you know, I wish I had looked for it. I'm sorry. I, more I, just, recently. I just, yeah, I was just. It, was in, it would be in 1977, which would be Prabhupada's last. Um, I say last, but that was one of the things that attracted me to Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj mm -hmm. is that he, so much 
gave us an increased um, presence of Srila Prabhupada. Um, like he would say, just like when uh, Krishna left the Rasa dance, but he didn't really leave. He was hiding in any of the kunjas right. just to watch their devotional sentiments, right? to increase their devotional sentiments and to watch them so that he would be more overwhelmed. Right. So right. he said, similarly, your Prabhupada is watching everything you do. <laughs> so this is from Srila Bhakti Vigyan Bharati Goswami Maharaj. Okay. Could you could says, you briefly explain who that is? Yes. Srila Bharati Maharaj is um, a disciple of Srila Prabhupada's godbrother, Srila Bhakti Dwight Madhav Goswami Maharaj. And um, several thousands of Srila Prabhupada's disciples and Srila Gurudev's, Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj's disciples and other Acharya's disciples um, came to take shelter of him. Srila Narayan Maharaj left the vision of the world in 2010 in December. And then many people went, many of his followers went right to Srila Bharti Maharaj for the same reason that we went to Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj. Right. Right. Um, and so I also spent a few years with him. Right. And so he's like one of my shiksha gurus. Wonderful. So he said, he explained the whole thing that you were just explaining. Yeah. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada's disciples <clears throat> had close relationships among themselves and they were intimately related in their heart. One speciality that was common to them all was that they would always speak Harikata whenever they met. They used to speak Harikata constantly for hours. I heard Srila Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj speak such Harikata that one could not imagine. We saw many of the disciples of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur fighting amongst themselves with litigation, but this is like Krishna and Arjun fighting with Bhishma. Both are fighting but they are both devotees and both are pleasing to Krishna in their own way. Arjun gave great pain to Bhishma by making him lie on a bed of arrows, and yet Bhishma would only accept water from Arjun. Hmm. Then Arjun shot arrows into the ground to bring water. Arjun felt he had made an offense and wanted to apologize, but Bhishma Dev didn't feel like that. He was appreciating Arjun. This is your football. Mm. Another example is that if two friends are on opposite sides of a football game, they will not take care of each other's interests in the game, even though they are friends. <laughs> each will follow the interest of his own team. However, they don't become enemies when one of them wins or loses. Mm. Again, two advocates engage in hot debate in the courtyard, sorry, courtroom, and ultimately, one of them wins the case. After it is over, the other one says, you have won, so now you will have to treat me to prashadam. This is the way of relationships between godbrothers, but someone else may judge by the outward actions and think that um, advanced devotees can be enemies. Wow. I, 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 I am still not... I, I don't understand why there was this ban put on in 1995. I, I just uh, and and it's still to this day. I feel it's it's continuing on. Like I just want to say, uh, 
to advertise for this um, for this podcast, I posted this on a few ISKCON pages, and I got a few uh, a message saying that because now things have moved to uh, online, and there is still this this resolution of of not hearing from others who are not within ISKCON, then I'm going to have to ask you to take it down. And I was so surprised by that. That how is this still continuing? Uh, to this day, even though, you know, uh, it, time has gone on. And I, I just want to know for my own self, how do I navigate that? How do, give us a little bit of um, of your insight on, on that, please. I'll try. Shila <laughs> <laughs> um, Narayan Goswami Maharaj explained, if someone has sufficient Sukriti, means... Um, spiritual pious merits from many births, then no one can stop him from getting higher association uh, for his advancement in bhakti. Uh, higher association means not someone who talks about the gopis. Higher association means those who are really pure devotees from anywhere. Because in the if I could just deviate just a drop, sure. uh, in the Bhagavatam, it states, we can see in Prabhupada's translations, uh, there are two doors, one door leading to liberation, one door leading to the darkest region of ignorance. By associating with Mahatmas, one um, goes to liberation by associating with um, sense, gratifi sense gratifiers, one goes to the darkest region of ignorance. So there's no mention of institution there. It's mm. wherever you can find. In fact, um, Prabhupada named ISKCON, he said, I've named the Krishna consciousness movement based on this verse in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishna Bhakti Bhavitir, Rasa Bhaviti, Bhavita Mati. Mm. That means uh, basically it's a, in a discussion between Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Rai Ramananda that millions of births of spiritual pious merits or activities of Vaidhi Bhakti will not get one to Braj Bhakti. But if one has greed, and that greed comes from hearing from the pure devotee, then he can uh, attain the highest stage of life, which is Braj Bhakti. So Prabhupada said, and I have several quotes about this, um, that... Uh, I've named the Krishna consciousness movement after this verse. Krishna consciousness means greed, the greed for Krishna. Even when I was first joining him in 1966 at 26th Second Avenue, hmm. he quoted Srila Rupa Goswami. He said, if you want Krishna consciousness, there's only one price for that, and that is the anxiety to have it. And that greed means I'm not interested in anything else. If I see a piece of chocolate cake in front of me, I don't. I can't think of anything else at the moment. <laughs> so that's greed for bhakti. So that means you lose all your material desires because you feel like a fish out of water. Remember that uh, that prayer of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in the Majjhila chapter two, where he says that. Um, People say that I'm a great devotee because I'm always crying, mm. but actually it's just a show. Even though I have not seen the face of that flute player, Krishna, 
I'm still maintaining my life just like an insect with no value. But someone who really has agreed for Krishna, he's like a fish out of water. If I don't get the water, I'll die. Right. So, um, uh, now why did I mention all that? Right, so if one has, so Prabhupada said this is the standard for if you want bhakti is greed. And um, no matter how much sukriti you have on the background, um, pious credits and vaidhi bhakti, that won't get you to braj bhakti. It will get you to good association and that will get you to braj bhakti. So if one has sufficient sukriti, nothing can stop him from getting the that kind of association which will give him the highest blessings in Krishna consciousness. And if one doesn't have sufficient Sukriti and he's not ready for that, then anything can get in his way. So um, in fact, there's a verse, um, what is that verse? Bhaktistu Bhagavata Bhakti Sangena Parijayate Satsanga Labhyate Punbir Sukritai Purva Sanskritai. After many, many millions of births of Sukritis, spiritual pious merits, one gets the association of a pure devotee. And uh, by his association or their association, one becomes a bhakta himself. So we, I particularly don't see anyone or anything or any institution at fault for um, for what's going on. I see it as mm. according to a person's qualification, he'll surround himself or uh, Krishna will surround him or Maya will surround him, whatever, with that particular type of uh, influence mm. that he'll stay where he is or he'll go where he's supposed to go um, and so many so many devotees came from ISKCON and still consider themselves in ISKCON just like I do and came to Srila Narayan Maharaj and other acharyas uh, despite all bad propaganda and mm. others didn't and those who are giving bad propaganda is because they also have threats to them so they also have to make choices and everyone's choices are based on Sukritis or Sanskars. So I personally don't take it as caused by anyone or any institution. It's the particular individual's inclination and readiness or not readiness. Here's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. In the Krishna book, you'll see that there are gopis who had the association of the Nichisiddha gopis, sufficient association. And when Krishna played his flute, they all left their husbands and they, you know, in the middle of taking care of their kids, in the middle of baking, they went to join the rasa dance. But those who did not have sufficient eagerness, they were able to be held back by their husbands, but they became so much in deep separation that that deep separation burnt their present attachment. And so the next night or the night after that, they would be able to go. Does that mm. make sense? 
Yes, it does. It does. That's a that's a great way to look at it. That it's not a certain institution, but it's the it's the um, the you could say the the understanding wasn't there yet. So it's absolutely uh, right, absolutely. right. I mean, it's hard to think like that. It's hard to think like that because you just want to blame someone or an institution for anything. For anything, yeah. We, we always have our go-to blame. blame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then what happens? We learned, we learned from Prabhupada, we learned from Srila Narayan Maharaj that the, there's a tar baby issue with blaming and criticizing, which is that you get the faults that you're criticizing, mm. whether or not the person has it doesn't make any difference. Right. Uh, it's like it's building a bridge of consciousness. And so, you know the story, I think, um, I, I heard the story when I first joined, actually, that there was a, um, a Brahmana and, uh, what was it, two Brahmanas, and there was a prostitute. And the Brahmana was criticizing the prostitute. So, and she was always very humble and respectful to him. And she was always thinking, I wish I could have those good qualities. And he was always thinking, ah, look at all these guys going to her place and how low they are. And I'm a great Brahmana and Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. So at the end, the Yama Dudas came for the Brahmana and the Vishnu Dudas came for the, for the prostitute. Wow. So why? Because they were thinking of each other's qualities. <laughs> wow. So... You know, more and more, I'm learning how dangerous it is to criticize. I mean, it's just a testament of your of your uh, your qu amazing qualities of of humility and tolerance. That after being in ISKCON for your whole life, practically, then you have to hear this like criticism of someone who you really felt was like on par with Srila Prabhupada, and, and help, who, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it pains my heart really to to hear all that. And I mean, I grew up during that time and, you know, 1995, I remember there was, there was times where um, there was so much criticizing going on and I was, a, I was young, but I wasn't that young, but I still remember some of it. Uh, and, and now that I got old, now that I'm older, I'm beginning to understand, you know, what, even what you said, that's, that's uh, bringing a lot of, uh, you know, light to that. And, and I appreciate that. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, the role of women in a spiritual society, mm -hmm. because you have been in ISKCON for so many 54 years and you have so many experiences that you can share. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the role of women in a spiritual society. And then we can, you know, I have a few more questions uh, on the same lines. Okay. That's a nice question too. All of your <laughs> questions are fabulous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I can tell you what Prabhupada said about the role of women. He wrote a letter to my god sister and said that the roles of all conditioned souls are the same. Chant Hare Krishna, encourage others to chant, practice, read, go back to home, back to Godhead. He said that's man, woman, rich, poor, anyone. Everyone has the same role. And that's how I was brought up with Srila Prabhupada. In 1968, some of the young men were trying to get me to stop giving classes because we all started giving classes at so young because Prabhupada was 
with us in New York. And then he went to open the second ISKCON temple in San Francisco. And so we immediately started taking turns. But then a year later, uh, some devotees wrote to Prabhupada that I shouldn't be giving classes because I'm a woman. So mm. Prabhupada uh, said to him that he quoted that verse, Kiba Vipra, Kiba Nyasi, Subha Kenanai. Yeah. Anyone who knows the science of Krishna, he can become a guru, a teacher. He said, so we don't make any distinctions between male and female. In 1975, some of the sannyasis wanted me not to give classes. And so Prabhupada said, your position of sannyasi, that's a material consideration, but preacher is transcendental, has nothing to do. Wow. And he wrote so many um, encouraging letters to his girl disciples, like Govinda Dasi. She's, uh, she did amazing preaching and converting thousands of people and, and their gurus to come and take shelter of Srila Prabhupada. So Prabhupada wrote her a letter that, uh, I want to put your story in Back to Godhead with photos, and I'm naming the story Heroin Govinda Dasi. Wow. Amazing. And there are so many other examples. Right, right. Um, it, it, along the same lines of, of, of you know, Kibavipa, Kibavnyasi, do you believe that women can become Diksha gurus? So believe or not believe, they are. Right. <laughs> For hundreds of years. In, uh, in 1970 or 69, I asked Srila Prabhupada, can girls preach? And so he said, why not? Janava who is the consort of Nityananda Prabhu. Um, when he left the world, she became the leader of all the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and she would chastise all the unscrupulous Vaishnavas, thousands of them, Naratam, Jiva Goswami, they all took her shelter. And even uh, her co-wife was Vasudha. And Vasudha's son is Birbhadra or Birchandra. And he wanted to get initiation. So somebody recommended to him that he get initiation from Janava. So he said, I'm not getting initiated by a woman, especially my like my mother. So then one day he was going to the well and he saw her from a great distance. And in those days, you know, the ladies would bathe in the well. So she was uncovered from her waist up. So they saw each other from a very far distance and they both got embarrassed. So two extra arms manifested from her and she covered her breasts. So he realized she's not an ordinary woman. Wow. So he immediately, this is in the Chaitanya Charitamrita as well. He immediately surrendered to her and accepted her as his Diksha disciple. And uh, so many big Acharyas were her Shiksha disciples. Um, and then there's uh, there's so many examples, but just prominent among them, Ganga Mata Goswamini. She used to be Sati, and she was a princess. And she wasn't at all interested in being a princess or getting married. And so she told her parents that. And she was especially upset when her father was arranging her marriage. Hmm. So seeing how sincere she was, he... Um, sent her with a conveyance to Vrindavan. And then she was looking, who can be my guru? And she found someone, a Haridas, who was in the line of Rup Shilarupa Goswami. And she got trained under him. 
she lived a very austere life doing bhiksha. And then um, he sent her to Puri 25 years later. And he said, I want you to, um, to establish the place of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, where he and Mahaprabhu would have their conversations. Hmm. So she went there and she was giving classes on Gopi Geet, Venu Geet, the Ras Panchajai of 10th Canto. And the whole of Puri would come to her. And then one day it became the appearance day of uh, Ganga, the river Ganga. So everyone was taking bath in Ganga, but she was so far away. And she was lamenting that she couldn't go because she was taking care of her deity, Shama Rai. And that also was a magical way how he came to her. So um, then she fell asleep and the Ganga carried her from where she was. It grabbed her and carried her to the Ganga and then brought her to the temple of Puri. Uh, inside the temple, inside right where Lord Jagannath was. So then the Pujaris came in at the time of Mangalartik and they said, oh, so she's not only a preacher, she's a thief as well. So they threw her in jail and then the Jagannath appeared to the king and he said, you don't understand, she's my great devotee. If you don't take shelter of her, initiation from her with all of your kingdom, dynasty, ministers, then I'm going to destroy your kingdom. So they all did. So there are many examples of um, Hemlata Thakurani, uh, Krishna Priya in the time of Viswanath Chakrabarti Thakur, of Lady Guru. So it's not a matter of believe they should or shouldn't. And we already have Srila Prabhupada's words that the qualification for men and women are the same. Mm. One who fully knows the science of Krishna, who's liberated, because the bound cannot, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita? Yeah. yeah. The bound cannot untie the the bound right i think the i think what i what i um to elaborate more on that is that the institution of iskon has a guru system you could say where they approve guruship mm -hmm. so the question there come comes can women be approved as gurus? And I know that the, the philosophy is that there's no such thing as an approval system. It's that if one who is, is, is. who knows Krishna, the tattva, they can be guru. So, um, and who's realized and who's realized. <laughs> right. Right. I guess that's not a question. It's a more of a comment. Um, Building more upon the the the, the previous uh, the question before that, I mean, I want to say that it says in the Srimad Bhagavatam and different purports of Srila Prabhupada that a woman in her youth should be protected by her father, in her uh, married life by her husband, and when she gets older by her sons. So, are there exceptions to this rule? Because I see you be you are like uh, living like a sadhu life, like a sannyasi life. And there are many other women who live like that. So maybe you could give a little bit of, of your reflection on, on that, that a woman always needs to be protected, yet there are examples in our modern time of women who are more in that uh, sannyasi type role. Well, even though I'm in a sannyasi type role, I feel fully protected hmm. by Srila Prabhupada, Srila Narayan Maharaj, are others acharyas by by all their books, by god brothers and god sisters? Um, I'm always surrounded by devotees. Right. 
I don't mean I'm surrounded. I mean, I'm always in the association. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel fully protected. I, if you don't mind, I would like to read some things uh, from Srila Prabhupada about uh, girls' independence or dependence and who's dependent and who's independent. In the Vedic culture, it was natural that people were very advanced. And so the husband and the father and the sons could actually offer protection, not only uh, physical protection, but also spiritual protection. Now we're in Kali Yuga, uh, Kalo Sudra Sambhava, everyone is Sudra. And then one becomes Brahman by proper initiation. So Prabhupada writes this, it was very eye-opening. Um, unmarried girls, Worship Lord Shiva so that they can expect a husband who is as good a Vaishnava as he. The girls are not taught to select a husband who is very rich or opulent for sense gratification. If a girl is fortunate enough to get a husband as good as Lord Shiva, then her life is perfect. Uh, Devahuti, the mother of Kapila Dev, said, I have taken shelter of your lotus feet. You are the only person of whom I can take shelter. Now, when when does a husband not deserve to be called a protector of the wife or a son or a father? As far as Sati, the daughter of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, was concerned, she was advised to give up her relationship with her husband. Srimad Bhagavatam states, Daivim one cannot be a husband if he cannot liberate his parents, his descendants, from inevitable death. If a person is not in Krishna consciousness and is bereft of spiritual power, he cannot protect his wife from the path of repeated birth and death. Consequently, such a person cannot be accepted as a husband. A wife should dedicate her life and everything to Krishna for further advancement. If her husband abandons Krishna consciousness and she gives up her connection with him, she follows in the footsteps of the Dvija Patnis, the wives of the Brahmanas who were engaged in performing sacrifices. Then Prabhupada quotes so many prayers to, um, to Lord Krishna from... Uh, Chapter 29 would be the gopis. If a woman accepts you as the supreme husband, she will never be bereft of her husband, as in the bodily concept of life. If we accept you as our ultimate husband, then there is no question of being separated, divorced, widowed. So there's that, those prayers. Under the circumstances, what woman who has heard of your glories from authoritative sources would be foolish to marry someone of this material world who's afraid of death, disease, old age, and rebirth. Then uh, Prabhupada also has a couple of quotes about independence. Who's independence? Is man independent and a woman dependent? Hmm. So Prabhupada writes, As the earth, water, fire, sky, they are also controlled. The supreme controller is Krishna. Similarly, the so-called man or woman in this material world, 
They are also controlled. Nobody can say, I am not controlled. Who is here? You must be controlled. Another is talking about real independence. The living entity is situated between two energies of the Lord. And because he belongs to the superior energy, he has a particle of independence. By proper use of that independence, he comes under the direct order of Krishna. Thus, he in returns to him his normal condition in the pleasure-giving potency. Real independence means complete faith in the mercy of the Lord without dependence on the conditions of matter. Actually, a conditioned soul is forced to act under the pressure of the modes of material nature. No living entity has independence. Srila Prabhupada wrote a letter to my god sister Shilavati. Um, uh, he said that she was, um, she was starting some programs for women in Los Angeles. And so he wrote to her that I'm so happy that you're doing this. Um, oh, you don't know the page? Um, no, it's not there. Uh, no, I don't know if it's nine. It's either in 70. It's in my uh, memoir book, either in 76 or 90. I'm not exactly sure. But I think I have it here. Um, let's see. He wrote to her that generally in the Vedic culture, the uh, woman accept. Oh, there it is. Here. Actually, because she was asking about the role of women. Mm -hmm. And here's when he said, the role of all conditioned souls is the same. And I'm so happy that you're teaching the girls in Los Angeles about the role they play in Krishna consciousness. Now, if you can induce all the women in Los Angeles to place an altar in their homes and help their husbands have peaceful, happy home life in Krishna consciousness, that will be a great service for you. The actual system is that the husband is the spiritual master of his wife. But if the wife can bring her husband into practicing this process, then it is all right for the husband to accept the wife as the spiritual master. Hmm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has said that anyone who knows the science of Krishna, he is the spiritual master. Regardless of any material so-called qualifications, rich, poor, man, woman, Brahmana, or Sudra. So at different times, Prabhupada says different things for different occasions. Right. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Um, there's a question on, on that. Uh, on and the, speaking uh, of women need, women can't have independence, but men can. Yes. So in one of these quotes, Prabhupada says that uh, dependence or, or, to not have independence doesn't mean to not have independence to act. It means protection, protection right. from the exploitation of men, just like one nation is under the protection of another nation, but that nation does their own thing. Wonderful example. Wow. That's, that's brilliant. Uh, there's a question in the comment section that I'm posting on the screen at the moment right here. Vic Sharma is asking, Srila Prabhupada's biographies say that he struggled alone to set up ISKCON and no one helped him. How does Mataji view this? Does this contribute to the divide? If you could comment uh, on that. Yeah, sure. That's a good question. And it's an understandable question. Um, it These kind of statements 
definitely contribute to the divide. Whether or not these statements are true is another thing. Um, in in my um, in my memoir, I talk about a discussion in 1977, just a few days before Prabhupada's departure, uh, when he calls in Shilinarayan Goswami Maharaj, and they have a conversation in Bengali, which was translated into English. So um, there, Prabhupada says, please ask my god brothers to forgive me for my offenses because I wanted to increase the enthusiasm of my neophyte disciples, I had to say so many things that, you know, yes, you're the only ones who are helping me and you're the only ones who are doing anything in the world. So please ask them to forgive me. And so Shilin Ryan Maharaj answered him, there's no need for forgiveness. Uh, all acharyas have to do things like that to increase the enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. So um, actually there's a, one of the books, um, called Letters from America, which has only 12 of the 300 letters that Srila Prabhupada wrote to Srila Narayan Maharaj back in the 60s and 70s, when he was asking him, please send these books, please send my Sanskrit books, please send cartels, please send these deities. And Srila Narayan Maharaj was sending all that. Murdanga, wow. first two Murdangas came from Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj. So, wow. and, um, uh, his god brothers. I mean, only now I'm hearing about it because I was also brought up in the same way. Right. That we're the only, yes, we're the only. So um, his god brothers were so much, not only god brothers, but their disciples were so much glorifying and praising Prabhupada for opening up the West. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, as they say, I, I have a degree in history and, and the thing that they, they mentioned to me was history is biased. Yeah. Uh, history is biased. So um, I think something that I want to talk about now is uh, your name as mm. Shamarani Devadasi. So Good. a lot of people have a misconception that you were reinitiated by Srila Narayan Maharaj. Could you please comment on that? If I imagined in my wildest imagination that that's what was happening, I wouldn't have visited him after the first time. So what is happening is he's just giving nicknames. What he explained to me after I finished the Seva Quinch painting, you all know that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> Which is a painting of Radha Shamasundar. He said, at first, your Prabhupada gave you the name Jadarani because he wanted you to understand Krishna's godhood as Jadunath, Jadubar of the Jadubangsi. Sometimes Krishna was seen with four arms, sometimes a universal form, sometimes two arms. He expanded into 16,000 palaces. So Prabhupada wanted you to understand. And Prabhupada also said, if you try to enter into Krishna's Vrindavan pastimes without knowing that he's God, you'll commit offenses. What a naughty rascal um, stealing butter and things. So, um, so he said, now he wants you to understand more your relationship with um, Krishna as a Brajabasi, 
And so he inspired me to give you the name Shamarani. Shama means, um, Shama means Radharani, the feminine counterpart of Sham. Right. And Rani means queen, Krishna's queen. He said, because your Prabhupada wants you to come more towards that ultimate goal of life. Mm. So that also inspired me to accept the name because he told me that it was, because I believe that personalities who are on the same level can easily talk to each other uh, on that level. Mm. It's not that, oh, he left this world, I can't talk to him anymore. Mm. Right. Even a <laughs> disciple like Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Sananda Saraswati Tagore, he um, took sannyas from a picture of Srila Gorakashordas Babaji Maharaj. Right. And he could do that because of the level that they were both on or are both on. Mm. I, please continue. No, no, no. I I think something that um, that is not so widely understood is Srila Prabhupada and Srila Narayan Maharaj's relationship uh-huh. before Srila Prabhupada even came to America. Could you sort of explain their relationship? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, just going back to, I have not given up the name Jadarani. Okay. I still use the name Jadarani in, um, in the... That book that you just held up? Yes. Mine? You can see it right on the cover. It has both names. In fact, it has Jadarani first. Right. Jamarani in parentheses. Correct, yes. And this new art book that I'm going to hopefully be publishing in the next oh, wow. few months with all of the paintings I did for Prabhupada and Shilinarayan Maharaj, also the both names are there. So some people prefer one name, some people prefer another. And so I go with the flow of that. Right. So regarding your new question, which I already forgot because I'm forgetting. Oh gosh, I forgot it too. Uh oh. What was that question? Uh something related. Yeah, it was related. Uh oh, the relationship between yes, Ashila Narayan Maharaj and Shila Prabhupada. Thank you. So um it started uh, their relationship started in the early 40s when um, his Guru Maharaj, Shula Bhaktipagyan Keshav Goswami Maharaj, was giving a class. And Prabhupada at that time was a householder. And there was like thousands of people there. And Prabhupada came in from the back. And because um, Shula Bhaktipagyan Keshav Maharaj was in the front, he could see the back. And so he called Prabhupada over all the way to the front to sit up with him on the stage. And then he told Shilinarayan Maharaj afterwards, I want you to take his association. So right from before the birth of Iskand, before my birth, a year before my birth, in 1946, they were associating and Prabhupada would visit their uh, mutt. And um, he said, Prabhupada always treated me with so much love. And he uh, wrote me letters that the same love that my Guru Maharaj had for me, meaning Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, mm. I have that same transcendental love for you. So our relationship is eternal. And so then in, uh, and Prabhupada was assisting with the affairs of the Gaudiya Vedanta Samiti. And then Srila Narayan Maharaj said to Srila Prabhupada, 
1959 because that, that's when Prabhupada's wife kicked him out of the house and, you know, the tea or me thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, then Prabhupada took Varnaprastha and he was living in Vrindavan. And uh, so Shulanarayanmar said to him, so what are you doing? You did not come to this world to sell medicine. You know, he was Day's Ayurvedic medicine. Right. You came for a special mission. He said, my Guru Maharaj, he's coming in a few days to Mathura. So why don't you take sannyas from him? And when I heard him say this, it reminded me of, not that Prabhupada had to be told that that's, this isn't what you came to the world for. Yeah. But just like right after Krishna killed the Keshi demon, Narada came to him and said, so you're enjoying here in Vrindavan while your parents, Vasudeva and Devaki, are being kicked by the boots of Kamsa and the whole of the Yadu dynasty is in fear and they've headed for the caves. Uh, you have so many responsibilities and you're just enjoying here. You have all these marriages to do. So then Krishna said, oh, yes, thank you. And then he thought of a way to leave Vrindavan. Mm. So it's simply a what's called a Naravatalila pastime, means human-like pastime between them. Right. So then a few days later, Srila uh, Bhakti Priyan Maharaj came and said, yes, uh, please take sannyas. So Prabhupada took sannyas. Uh, you can see that picture. You know that picture? of Prabhupada standing on one side and Muni Maharaj standing on another side and Srila Bhakti Pragyan Keshav. Can you find that there? I think it's 68. Um, yeah. st sitting in the middle. Um, so that's the day that he took sannyas. And um, so then so Prabhupada had continued his intimate relationship with Srila Bhakti Pragyan Keshav Goswami Maharaj and got the Gopi mantra from him and continued his relationship with Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj. And when he first came to America, he invited Srila Narayan Maharaj to um, come and help him preach. But Srila Narayan Maharaj said, I can't come right now because I have these responsibilities for my Guru Maharaj right. in the centers here in India. But then he said, it took Prabhupada from 19... 21, when he first met Srila Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, he said, you're qualified, you're intelligent, go preach in the West in the English language. He said, it took Prabhupada 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 40 years to follow that instructions. And it only took me 30 years to follow his instruction to come <laughs> to America. Wow. He said, so I'm coming because um, I want to go to the holy places where his footsteps were and take the dust from his head. And I want to, um, he planted so many seeds of pure bhakti and he told me to water them with harikata. So the second reason that I came is to, um, so many seeds had dried up, like especially me, so many seeds that he planted had dried up or they had become sprouts and they were dried. So he told me to waterize those seeds and sprouts so they can become nourished in bhakti. And he told me the third instruction that he gave me was to continue his mission. Wow. So um, 
Yeah, so that's just very intimately related. uh, And I don't think many people know that. There's a question in the comment section here by uh, Anantashree Das. He asks, how do you view reinitiation? I have several godbrothers who have taken reinitiation from Srila Narayan Swami, getting new names, etc., even though on their own their own spiritual master is in good standing. According to my understanding, this is not accepted by our philosophy. Could you please give your view on that? Surely. Thank you, Anantashri Das Prabhu. Um, a few things. One, when in 1996, uh, it was Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj's first world tour. And so he was initiating a few Westerners. And so he was asked the same question. And he said, I only initiate when um, when the disciple had completely already lost faith in their guru, good standing, not in good standing by somebody's standards or somebody else's not standards. And they've lost their faith and they are losing their faith in bhakti. To reignite their bhakti because they have faith in me, I'll therefore initiate them. Hmm. There's already so many reinitiations in ISKCON. Some devotees have had three failures in ISKCON. Right. So if it's against our philosophy, then it's against our philosophy, whatever's happening in ISKCON as well. Uh, It states in the Nectar of Devotion, depending on the... um, depending on the addition of Nectar Devotion, Srila Prabhupada writes that if somebody uh, is acting as Acharya, but he doesn't have the qualifications of Acharya, but he has personal interests, then his is not a very high standard of bhakti. So one should then um, accept initiation from a bona fide guru. So... um, the person may or may not be in good standard. I'm not qualified to, to say. But if the disciple thinks that for this reason or that reason, or perhaps because he's my guru uh, is banning pure devotees and he's blaspheming pure devotees, then Srila Jiva Goswami also says immediately reject that guru and take a bona fide initiation. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. Yeah, but I mean, I think never, that answers the question. Yeah, because he never attempts, in fact, before the ban in 1995, Srila um, Narayan Goswami Maharaj was always encouraging devotees to, he said, I'll always help you, but uh, follow the instructions of your guru, follow Iskan, serve Iskan. Mm. But when he was forced, because they said, you're not allowed to go see him, or you go to hell, we reject you, Prabhupada rejects you. Then he said, I was forced to jump over the ocean like a lion and give initiation. Wow. <laughs> wow. To save devotees bhakti. Yeah, otherwise they would just leave. Right, right. Um, I'd like to ask you uh, a question. I think, so we're at one hour and 43 minutes. It's been so wonderful. I, I, I am so thankful to you again. Uh, but I'd like to ask you, if you could go back in time and give your teenage self two pieces advice two pieces of advice what would they be how old am i because when i was a 19 year old teenager i gave myself the piece of advice to go to the temple right okay um before that no i i would say like 
from from 19 till now you've you've done a, you've done so you've got so many different realizations about life and about things like that so from from the from what you are now till when when you first started devotional life maybe maybe a little bit older even in, than 19 what kind of uh advice would you give yourself like what kind of um lessons or 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 yeah or advice essentially i think i would tell myself that um what I'm learning now is not to read, but to pray to the book. Um, oh, Prabhu, you're not a book. You are, let's say it's first canto. You are Srila Prabhupada yourself. You're Srila Sukadeva Goswami yourself. You're Maharaj Prakrit yourself. You're Vyasadeva yourself. You're Viswanath Chakrabarti yourself and all the other personalities in the book. Um, I'm sitting here at your lotus feet as you're personally speaking to me. So please, all of you, shower your mercy on me so that I can realize what you're saying as I'm sitting at your lotus feet. Wow. So I would tell my younger self to um, read with more seriousness and prayer. I, um, I would also tell myself to uh, buy that reading and buy that hearing I would tell myself that there is some things to think about while chanting, not just trying to hear, because mm. in in a stage of just trying to hear, when the mind is thriving for um, the mind is thriving for varieties of sense enjoyment, to to utter devotional prayers like um, the prayers that we learn in the Mangala, Mangala, Mangala Charana section of the songbook, like um, what is one prayer? Um, Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam. Svapitam Yena Bhutale. Um, praying to Rupa Goswami, but for what? For service to Radha and Krishna. Mm. Or what's another one? Uh uh, what's one's to Radha and Krishna? Hey Krishna Karana Sindhu Dina Bandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute. That thinking of the deep meanings of those prayers uh, and uttering the prayers at the same time as chanting Hare Krishna. Otherwise, the mind goes to other varieties and other prayers. I wish I had a this, and why did I have to get a that? Wow. Uh, so those are two. Brilliant, brilliant. I would say uh, don't be alone in the room with a man. That's <laughs> hmm. <laughs> your husband or your brother. Right. Um, I have a question uh, from the comment section from Janava Matadasi. Is it true that Srila Prabhupada continues to guide us internally to the highest levels of bhakti? Most definitely. That is most definitely. Um, the thing is, can we hear him, number one? Number two, how do we know if it's, if it's him or if it's my mind? Hmm. Um, because back in 1967, when I was painting in Prabhupada's quarters, and we had this big jug, really tall jug of glubjimans that Prabhupada <laughs> would feed us. Um, 
So then uh, Kirtananda Swami asked him, can we hear you in our heart? And Prabhupada said, when you become pure, you could hear me in your heart. So yes, he's certainly wanting to, doing, guiding, uh, but can I hear the real him? Or I, I, so many times in my life, after Prabhupada's departure, I made the wrong decision thinking that it was him who was telling me something. And that's why I accepted a Shiksha Guru who I'm convinced is on the same level as Prabhupada, but more than that, who's associating with Prabhupada and who knows exactly what Prabhupada would tell me at a particular time so that I know I'm getting it from Prabhupada. Actually, Satsvrut Maharaj in 1991 asked Srila Narayan Maharaj, now that uh, Srila Prabhupada's left, I'm asking different uh, God brothers uh, like who to pray to. And so... I'm asking them different questions, how to understand this or that, and they're giving different answers. And so I decided I'm just going to forget all that and just pray to the super soul in my heart. Do you recommend that I pray to the super soul? And Srila Narayan Mars said, why the super soul? Certainly he's in your heart, but why not pray to your Gurudev, Srila Prabhupada? He's right there. He said, I still pray to my Gurudev and I get so much guidance from him. So also Guru being one, is called Akanda Guru Tattva, means the undivided, complete principle of Guru. That's Nityananda Prabhu, Baladev. And all Gurus are manifestations of that Akanda Guru Tattva, Nityananda Baladev. So if one Guru is telling me something that I'm fully convinced is knowing what Prabhupada wants at that moment, then I know that I'm hearing from Prabhupada. Mm, wonderful. In fact, I was crying to Prabhupada when I first met Shulan Ryan Maharaj uh, in 1992. And I was on a rickshaw uh, going back to the Krishna Balaram Mandir where I was staying. And I was literally crying, oblivious to anybody who was there, crying out loud, oh, Prabhupada, if this is the wrong thing or the right thing that I'm seeing, Srila Narayan Maharaj, please tell me clearly. And then I saw him across the street, just jumping on a bus. And then me and my god sister jumped on the bus as it was leaving, as it was moving. And then, so I sat on the floor next to his seat, Srila Narayan Maharaj's seat. And I said, so how do I know that Srila Prabhupada really wants me to be hearing from you and staying, you know, living here in Vrindavan and hearing from you. He said, I have got no material desires, meaning it told me so many things that because of that, I'm getting direct information from him how to help you. Hmm. Wonderful. Another question. Uh, there's a few questions coming in. This is from... Um, Natasha Nitai Lila Puhar. Srila Prabhupada said that your love for me will sh be shown by how well you cooperate with each other after I leave. He also said that if there are problems, to work together to resolve them, but not to leave. If Srila Prabhupada is present in his books and instructions, then how can leaving his movement be justified for a sincere disciple? Thank you. I, I think you, you you answered that in, in, in your previous, uh, what you were and saying. Neither did I ever leave, but I was excommunicated. And a lot of times... Sincere devotees would ask me to give classes, and I'd say, sure, in different cities. And then somehow or other, their 
GBC would find out about it and cut it. The mm. only example that it wasn't cut was, um, where was I? New Orleans. Oh. And I gave a long class about my remembrances of Prabhupada in New Orleans. I thank them for Wonderful. that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, another question. Madhu Bratta Das says, Hare Krishna, Shamarani, Didi, Dandavat Pranams, could you please explain the importance of a Shiksha Guru? If we need to take him in a specific stage of the process of bhakti and how we can properly identify him. Thanks, Namras Prabhu, for this interview. Really nice. Okay, good question from Madhu Brat Prabhu. Uh, how do we know when to accept a Shiksha Guru? And how do we how do we identify him? Right, the importance of the Shiksha Guru and in, in if we need to take him in a specific specific stage of bhakti. And how can he identify? Yes. Everyone's already taking Shiksha Gurus from somebody. Right. Um, everybody has a mentor and listens to his mentor or mentors or chooses, I'll choose this mentor now for this and I'll choose men this mentor to listen to for that. Um, the Then it depends on how strict we want to be in our definition of Shikshaguru. It's stated in the Chaitanya Charitamrita and Srila Prabhupada's translation that... Um, that uh, the Shiksha Guru is the manifestation of Krishna's Swarup or nature, and the Diksha Guru is the manifestation of Krishna's form. Mm. So there's no difference between his internal, external form and nature. So the Shiksha Guru, uh, if in the strictest sense of the term, is either on an equal level with the Diksha Guru or the Shiksha Guru may be more than the Diksha Guru. For example, Srila Prabhupada is my Diksha Guru and Srila Rupa Goswami is my Shiksha Guru because I read his books. So Prabhupada worships Rupa Goswami. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is my Shiksha Guru. Um, he's, of course, superior to Srila Prabhupada. So the Shiksha Guru um, may be just anybody, if that's who I'm choosing, in the not strict sense of the term. Mm. But uh, if Krishna arranges, because it's Krishna's arrangement, who gets who as any kind of guru? Yeah. If someone gets a cheating guru, if someone gets a bona fide guru, if someone can follow his bona fide guru, all of that is arranged by Krishna according to our sincerity, our sakritis, our sanskars. Yeah. Um, if I'm sincerely desiring pure bhakti and connection with guru and I'm ready for a bona fide shiksha guru, then Krishna will arrange that. Right. Or he may send one, but if I'm still not ready, I won't be able to follow him. This is called praktan sanskars in Jaiva Dharma. Depending on my many, many, many lasts, lives impressions, it'll be hard or easy to get a guru. Then it'll be hard or easy to follow one. Hmm. That, did that answer the question, Madhuvrat Prabhu? I, I think it. I think it did. It, it's going to be a little bit of lag for when he answers, but yeah. So, um, I'd like to ask about um, you. You spoke about um, how you know when you read, you have to think of it as you know. Please, uh, you have to talk. To, you know, 
give a prayer to the book that, you know, please help me serve you and understand and, and like that. And then for chanting, not just hearing the mantra, but also praying uh, these prayers, the, like the, you give the example of the Mangla Charana and having those prayers in your mind while you're chanting. Is there any other tips? Because these are very practical tips that I, I really love. If, are there any other practical tips you can give uh, for, for becoming deeper in our spiritual life? Having good association, desiring good association. What do you mean by good, good association? Prahlad Maharaj prayed, please let me always have the association of your pure devotees. Somehow or other, if it's not possible physically, by internet, if it's not possible by, um, in that way, by, by reading the books in that way, we um, treat the books as our shiksha gurus. You want to know a practical thing about Mahaprasadam? Sure. That's practical. Yes. <laughs> um, and there are thousands of prayers we can say for chanting, even all the Acharya's songs. When will that day come? When all my offenses in chanting uh, stop and taste for the holy name increasing. I can think of all those songs, not while I'm chanting, sing them and then chant, look at them and then chant. Mm. And then after a while, you can look at another one and then chant. So for prasadam, um, not to eat Krishna prasadam and not to take Krishna prasadam, but to serve Krishna prasadam and honor Krishna prasadam. I, I held a class today and I asked the devotees, they were from all walks of life, I said, who doesn't know this prayer, Mahapashadi Govinde, uh, what is it? No, and most everybody raised their hand that they didn't know it. Hmm. See, when I first joined ISKCON, it was like one of the first things you learn. Right. But um, now, especially with, there's not so many temples, you know, devotees have their own houses and somehow or other hmm. associate here and there. So it hadn't become such a popular thing. But in anything we're doing, to pay full attention and think of the deepest meaning. Um, like uh, Mahaprasad Govinde. Oh Mahaprasad, you are non different from Govinda, from Radha and Govinda. You are non different from the holy name. The holy name is so powerful that just like Krishna, the holy name can create innumerable universes in a second and destroy them in a second and recreate them in a second. And the pure Vaishnavas, like Viswanath Chakrabarti Thakur, O Nam, O Mahabhashad, Mahabhashade Govinde, Nam Brahmani, and the pure Brahmins, Vaishnavi. Then, because you're non-different from them, therefore you can take away everything that they can take away, which is all my anarthas, my offenses, and you can give me everything that they can give me, which is pure prem, and even the love of the gopis. So please give me all this. And then knowing that the Pushtaram is non-different from Krishna's pastimes as well. And mm. there are so many Pushtaram pastimes. Right. Uh, in the, even in the Pushtaram song. Bhajabhaka Tabat Salasri Paying attention and praying to go into the deep meanings. And have association with those who will take me to the deep meanings. Wow. Very important practical. 
Trinadapi suniche na tororapi sahishnana amanina manadena kirtaniya sadaharihi. Um, it used to be when Prabhupada was giving lectures and he would say, don't offend Vaishnavas. And then I would think as a young devotee, yes, don't offend me. No one should offend me. So how many years of chanting later, they realize I shouldn't offend Vaishnavas. Mm. And if somebody, if somebody is critical of me or uh, disrespectful to me, then I want to see through the eye of scriptures and not through my peacock feather eyes how to return that. Um, oh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, give them respect even though they don't respect me. Okay, so what are some examples of that? Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an example of that. When that, when his guru's godbrother, guru's godbrother? No, his, his guru's god, godbrother was criticizing him that he ate too much. Mm. He just ate less and he didn't <laughs> retaliate or criticize. Right. It's a very nice, oh, okay. Hari Pri wants me to, answer short so we could go on to the next question oh, okay oh speaking of Hari Priya uh, oh, she Hari has a question if you could tell us in one sentence what Srila Prabhupada and our Guru Varga came to give what would that be certainly I can tell you in four lines Srila <laughs> uh, Prabhupada uh, explains in many places and I say many because I checked folio of his books and lectures Anar pitachirin charat krunayavatir namkalo samar paitam anatojularasam swabakti sriyam hari puritasandaram dutitikudam basandi pita sada hridaya kundare spurituva sachinandana. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give what no other acharya or incarnation ever gained before in a long time. What's the long time? since Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came in the previous day of Brahma. And what is that? He came to taste the love. Krishna came to taste the love of Srimati Radhika um, and Swabhakti Sriyam. He came to give the service of the maidservants of Srimati Radhika. Um, so that's what our Srila Prabhupada came to give. That's what all of our Acharyas came to give. Mm. That's what Srila Narayan Maharaj came to give. The same same message. Sometimes their words are different. Like um, Prabhupada says, don't drink dirty water. And I say, drink clean water. So much difference. It's the same thing, just said in different words. Right, right. Thank you. So I'd like to wrap it up now with, um, so right now in this COVID-19, devotees are very um, isolated and there's a lot of, there's a lack of, of associating with devotees in person. So what would you say to devotees, how they can continue their spiritual lives and feel more, feel inspired and feel enthused? Well, I would say two things. I mean, of all the controversial questions you've asked, I think this is the most controversial. Oh, really? <laughs> because half the devotees believe in a pandemic and half the devotees <laughs> believe, believe that it's a scamdemic. Right. <laughs> or a plandemic. And it's not really what it appeared to be. 
you know, we hear from the internet that doctors are being paid to say this person died from COVID, where they really didn't. So um, I'm a little bit more inclined in that direction. <laughs> so I have a lot of association with devotees uh, in in a physical way. Right. And um, But for those who, I also don't criticize devotees who uh, believe another way about it. Right. And so uh, I actually feel as much when I'm communicating with devotees by internet as I do in person. Just like now I'm talking to you and I don't see any differences if we were in the same room together. Right. And we're how many miles away? Where are you? New York. Uh, I'm in New Jersey. Yeah, New York. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Yes. I don't feel any separation. So I would suggest then if they don't have that and if they don't, if they're too scared, then get as much association as they comfortably can by the internet. Kirtans, classes, there are thousands of them now online. Hmm. Learning okay. smokers. Right, right. Okay, there's one more question uh, on the comments, and then we'll go into um, bhaktiart.net. Um, we want to show some uh uh, your painting. Uh, but before that, there's a mess, uh, a question from Revati Dasi. Dear Mataji, can you please dispel my doubts about why Shilinarayan Raj spoke about very high intimate topics about Radha and Krishna while, while our Guru Varga were often very cautious about it? I absolutely love the question and I was hoping somebody would ask that. <laughs> Great. Okay. So um, every day, Shilinarayan Maharaj's uh, audio seva team sends out lectures. And the very lecture that I was hearing today was uh, Kapila Devahuti. It's just like he was reading from the Bhagavatam because I had to read Prabhupada's books very carefully. Uh, I mean, I'm a lazy good for nothing and all that, but because I had to pick out pictures, I had to read very, very carefully to get whatever details I could. So hearing then this, this morning, from Shilinarayan Goswami Maharaj, it was just like he was reading Prabhupada's translation of the Bhagavatam. Devahuti Kapila, uh, you know, how Kardama Muni, the whole story of Kardama Muni and how Brahma gave Kardama Muni to Devahuti and then how she observed so much austerities and then he left when Kapila was about 16 and then she inquired from him and that whole thing, basic. Then the, the next thing he talked about was Paranjana Upaksha, the character of Paranjana, mm. the, uh, the allegorical story of Paranjana, who's actually the soul and the body, and he meets his wife, who's actually his intelligence. Every detail, how he became a woman in his next life and married King Malayadwaja, everything. And then the other thing was um, Bharat Maharaj, how he became a deer. Mm. And then in the Kapila Devahuti, talking about how uh, when a soul dies, he takes birth in a certain womb. And at the beginning, it's a little chickpea seed. And then it grows little hands and legs. And depending on whether it comes from an egg, all that basic stuff. Ambarish Maharaj, Prahlad Maharaj, Maharaj. I don't know one city. I've been with him for 14 tours in uh, 30 cities. 14 tours means summer, winter, summer, winter, in like 50 cities. I don't know in what city he didn't tell the whole story of Prahlad Maharaj. 
So yes, he does talk intimate things and he talks basic things and he talks in between things. Hmm. So if we have how many volumes of Prabhupada's books? 70 volumes of books. Many are basic, many are medium, and many are high. But we do find that Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj's books and lectures um, talk about uh, extra things. Number one, I would like to say that many of his lectures, which are now all over the world, were given behind doors to mm. the GPC. Balab Kusmanjali, Gopi Geet, uh, Brahma Samhita, Bhagavat Machandrika, they were all given behind doors. But you know how devotees are. Let's spread it. And, and also, no. when I was coming to him before his Western touring from 1992 to, um, to 1996, when he started his first world touring, this was also just to a few people when he was talking about uh, how to enter into Raghunuga Bhakti. Um, he said, Raghunuga Bhakti cannot be preached widely. Um, Vaidhi Bhakti is preached widely by any of our Acharyas. When he, when he came to the West, he talked just a little bit about it. And why? Because it's in Prabhupada's books. You find in Sanatana Shiksha, there's uh, so many verses about Vaidhi Bhakti. Then there are verses about Raganuga Bhakti. Then there are verses about Ragatmika Bhakti. What is the definition of Raganuga Bhakti? What is the definition of Ragatmika Bhakti? What is the definition of Bhav Bhakti? What is the definition of Sadhana Bhakti? And so similarly, Srila Narayan Goswami Maharaj would speak about all these things that are in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Plus, if we're not if we're not aware of the goal, we cannot have a process to attain it. Just like um, Hari Priya Agarwal, who just asked that question. She's here with me right now. She came from Sugarland uh, all the way to Austin, where I am. It's a two-hour drive. So if she didn't know my exact address, then the GPS wouldn't have been able to tell her how to get here. Even she wouldn't have known whether to turn right or left when she left her house. So... When we get general, I'm a general das, that's all very, very good mm. at that stage. But unless I know what particular kind of das I am and what particular relationship I am and, and what is the goal of all those or 99% of those who are coming in Rupa Goswami's line and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sampradaya in the line of Srila Bhakti Vinod Thakur, in the line of Srila Saraswati Thakur, yeah. then... I can't gradually get there and I can stay on my same level for millions of lives mm. if I don't know where I'm going. So there has to be some, some sense of some pastimes of that. And he doesn't tell any naked pastimes. Of <laughs> right. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so, We've we've gone to two hours and ten minutes. This has been so amazing. I'd like to just plug a few things. This amazing book. Uh, if you'd like to buy it, um, it's the art of spirituallife.com. I will put the link in the uh, comment section. This is a wonderful book uh, by uh, Shamrani Mataji uh, about her times with Srila Prabhupada, 
coming all the way to the present day. It's just a wonderful, beautiful uh, book to read. It, you can't put it down, actually. It's, it's just so uh, it's just so interesting. And another thing is um, her paintings. So there is bhaktiart.net. So I believe that Hari Priya wants to show some art uh, now. Is that right? I guess so. Great. Yes. Uh, you want me to hold it? You want to get the posters? Wonderful. Okay, so this, this is the... One. This is the one that took 11 years. This is just Amazing. the clay. And then you want the other ones are in the, you want to get the other ones too? So this is the Kunjakirtan uh, painting. Right. Oh yeah, they can see that. Uh, oh, do you want to hear about this? Please, please tell us about okay, it, yeah. So this is the third verse of Lapagusmanjali where Srila Raghunath Das Goswami, uh, one of the six Goswamis, is praying to Srimati Radhika for her personal service. And he's praying that when will I have the opportunity that, um, no, the verse says, Oh Rati Manjri, when you are the most uh, fortunate girl in this land of Vrindavan, because it was you who Radhika asked to go to the Kunj, the secluded grove, to get her waist belt, which she lost there. So uh, why would Raghunath Das Goswami be praying to um, Rati Manjri, who's himself in his gopi form? Um, it's because this verse is not actually written by Raghunath Das Goswami, although the whole book is. This is a verse stated by Rupa Goswami, who's blessing Raghunath Das Goswami, that you can write, and whatever you write, it will be successful. So the story here is that Radharani was in the kunj. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Radharani was in the kunj with Krishna, and they were resting. And then when he was still sleeping, she came out and organized the Sankirtan festival for him because she is the Sankirtan leader, the original Sankirtan leader. Wow of all existence. So of singing, dancing, playing musical instruments in his glorification. So then Krishna woke up, felt lonely, came out. They sat him at Radharani's feet and then everybody started singing and dancing. And then Radharani got tired. So she sat down and she noticed that her belt was missing. So she thought, uh oh, my sakis will all make fun of me uh, if they see that it's missing. So um, with her eyes, she told Rati Manjri, who's here, she told Rati Manjri, quickly go and get my belt and put it on in such a way that nobody sees. So Rati Manjri stood up and she said, I'm just going to get some flowers. And then she went into the kunj or cave, got the belt. Now she's putting it on stealthily uh, so that nobody knows, but only one person knows. And that is... Sri Rupa Manjari, who's here mm. um, with her head like that, because she's Rupa Goswami, and Rupa Goswami is the most, she's the leader of, he's the leader of all the Goswamis, the leader of our whole Sampradaya. Right. And uh, so Rupa Manjari knows every single eye movement that Radharani makes. She knows what Radharani sings, so she knows what's going on, and no one else knows what's going on. Okay. So the eight Sakis are there, and four Manjaris are there. 
Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for explaining that. So, so I will put the, those those links in the comments. And um, I, I I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Mataji, for for doing this interview. I think a lot of devotees uh, got a lot of uh, amazing uh, gems from it. And 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 if if anyone wants to contact you personally, sure, could, could they do that? Yes, um, they can contact me by WhatsApp. Okay. But unfortunately, I don't know what my WhatsApp number is because I'm technically- or, or I can give it an email address perhaps. Yeah. Or you have a Facebook page as well. I think that might I go- I do, through. but I don't go there. Okay. <laughs> I don't put anything on it. Uh, if you contact Vasanti- Okay. Yes, Vasanti uh, Dasi on Facebook. If you if you go to her page, you'll be able to contact uh, Mataji. Mean and, by email or WhatsApp or anything. Right, right. Through Messenger, Facebook Messenger as well. And- um, and and please go to this website and get uh, Mataji's book uh, and, and also the different art. Speaking of the book, Basanti just said that if anybody orders the book um, because of this podcast, then she'll give them free shipping in America. Amazing. Amazing. Free shipping in America and get this wonderful book. Uh, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Please, everyone, go to the Late Morning Program um, Facebook page and give it a like, give it a share, uh, and let's let's spread this interview far and wide. I think there were some amazing things said, some amazing gems, and um, again, my dandavats to you, Mataji, so much. I I I I, I am just so um, I'm I'm just so uh, in awe of you, like your your devotion, your tolerance, the, all everything you've been through, uh, but at the same time, you just come out of it so. Uh, positive and so Krishna conscious, and I and I really appreciate that. I I, I really do. I can't say more about it. I'm actually <laughs> speechless. About I just it. want to say that um, when Prabhupada gave me the example that when a mother has a blind child, she loves the the child so much, she calls the child Lotuside Padma Lochan. Right. Right. So similarly, I think because of your affection for me, you send things that aren't there. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not true at all. That is not true at all. Uh, I, I think everyone can, from this interview, people can understand of your your amazing realization in, in spiritual life. And I, I think it come, it's very clear. But thank you so much again. Thank you to thank all my you viewers. So much. Hare Krishna. That's, you're very uh, merciful and kind. You're, you are as well. That's episode 33 with Shamarani Jadurani. Devidasi, Mataji, thank you so much. Hare Krishna, everyone. Hare Krishna. 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 Hare Krishna